Last Sunday, we kicked off a brand new series called Follow, and um, if you weren't here, you can catch up on that online, but uh, we're going to carry on talking about this idea, but um, whether you realize it or not, we are all inclined to follow in one way or another, aren't we? Um, I had a good friend, and uh, he was from England, and he traveled a lot uh, for business, um, but he would normally just fly economy, uh, but this one time, he was flying to America on an American airline, and uh, he discovered when he checked in that they'd actually bumped him up to first class. This has never, ever happened to him. And he was so excited. He was actually coming to visit me. And uh, he was so excited that on this flight to America, he was going to get to fly first class for the very first time. Now, if you've ever traveled on a plane and have traveled in first class, you'll know it's incredible. Uh, Most of us, we've just walked past those incredibly large seats and thought, wouldn't it be great to sit in one of those seats? But um, he actually got to sit in it. And he said it was actually quite intimidating because having never flown first class before. He didn't know what to expect. He didn't know what was happening, you know, so he could tell that the people around him were accustomed to flying first class. You know, this is what they did all the time. So he said, I felt a little intimidated and I sat down and uh, before we even took off, like before things even happened, this uh, flight attendant, she came up to me, she said, sir, could I get you a drink? He says, I've never been asked that in the back. You know, you wait like half an hour and then they come by with a cart and you can have one of the several choices that are on that car but no one ever comes to you and asks, could I get you a drink? So my friend, he, uh, he, he actually chose, he doesn't drink alcohol, so he actually chose a, a drink that we get in England called Bitter Lemon. Okay, it's made by a company called Schweppes, and uh, it's kind of a mixer, and he just likes drinking Bitter Lemon. So uh, he said to this flight attendant, uh, yeah, could I get a Bitter Lemon? And off she went. Never came back. <laughs> He said a few minutes later, people were still boarding, and another flight attendant came up and said to him, "Uh, Sir, could I get you a drink? He said, Yeah, could I get a bitter lemon? And she said, Okay. And bear in mind, this is an American airline, so my friend's saying, Bitter lemon. Uh, She disappears. She comes back. Now everyone's boarded, everyone's sat down, and they're going through the pre flight stuff. And this lady comes up to him, one of the flight attendants, with a small saucer that she gives him and several small slices of lemon. Now, he's not made the connection. He just figures this is something that happens. So he says, oh, thank you. He takes a slice and he passes it to the guy next to him. (laughs) Assuming this is part of the pre-flight, you know. Thank you. First class is amazing. (laughs) So the guy next to him, he takes a slice and passes it. And this saucer starts to make its way around the first class cabin. He said, I looked and I could see the flight attendant staring at us as we were passing this saucer around and taking a slice each. And then finally the lady came up to me and said, sir, what do you want to drink? He has bits of She goes, oh, sorry, I thought you meant a bit of lemon. That's why I gave you the saucer. My favorite part of the story is that no one else thought to question this. They just all followed along. Every guy who got the thing, yep, I'll take a piece of lemon and passed it along. So... So because as humans, we are obviously inclined to follow, sometimes without even questioning, then maybe we should think a little bit more carefully about who it is we're following, what it is that we're following. And that's what this series is really kind of about. Who are you following this morning? Because we discovered last week that Jesus, when he came to earth, he, he spent three years meeting people and teaching and performing miracles. But one of the things he did on a regular occasion is he, he would come across someone and say, hey, follow me. Follow me. We learned last week that it just it, it seems really a bit too simple. 
Is that all it is? Just, just follow me? It, it actually turns the religion of Jesus' day on its heads, even the religion of today to some people, because it's almost like Jesus made it seem too simple. Religion back then would have, would have lived under the idea, change and you can join us. That would have been the, the motto of religion right there. If you'll change, you can join us. And along comes Jesus saying, join us and you'll change. Join us and you'll change. Simply follow me. Jesus would say, follow me. People would get close to Jesus. They would start to follow him. They would start to live their lives in close proximity to Jesus. And what would happen is after a while, you would find that, that these people one day would look at themselves in the mirror and they wouldn't recognize who was looking back at them. Because in their time of following Jesus, change had taken place in their lives. So the bottom, quest, the bottom line, we're going to be, the, the, the question we're going to be asking over these coming weeks is, am I following? Am I following Jesus? Not how often am I attending church? How many verses did I read this week? How much money did I put in the offering? No, the question I want us to really focus on as individuals here this morning is, am I following? And if I am following, then what does that look like? So last week, we started by looking at um, one of the most unlikely of candidates, a guy by the name of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was despised by the people of his days. And yet Jesus found Matthew and said, hey, Matthew, follow me. Follow me. Jesus had this incredible ability of being able to reach the people who in that culture, in that society, um, religion, the religious leaders had turned their backs upon and yet Jesus showed love and said, follow me, Matthew. So we're going to look at another situation this morning of someone that followed Jesus. And uh, before we get there, I need to just kind of give you a little background here. So the life of Jesus, we can read about Jesus in the New Testament. And we can read about him in four separate accounts. And they were written by four different people. Their names were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and the four of them all had um, a slightly different perspective in the way they told the story of Jesus. Many of the stories from Jesus' life will show up in all four accounts. Some will only show up in a couple. And then there are, there are some situations that only one of those four guys writes about. Matthew writes from his perspective as an eyewitness. I was there. Let me tell you what, what happened, what it was like to be there. Mark, we know, was a, a very close friend of Peter, the apostle. So a lot of what Mark writes down is out of his relationship with Peter, who was also there and, and gets to hear his account of the story. Luke was a doctor. Luke was an investigator. He interviewed people. He went around and, and he wants to learn about all the people who'd encountered Jesus, their perspective of what happened. So, so Luke was very thorough. He really wants to get all the details down. And then John, he was another eyewitness, so he again brought his own unique perspective. But this morning, we're going to look at a very interesting situation where, where some folks followed Jesus. And this particular account is told by Matthew and Luke. Matthew and Luke both tell us this story. But it's quite interesting because they actually tell it slightly differently. So Matthew, he was a Jew and he was writing to a Jewish audience. So when he tells the story that we're going to read this morning, he tells it very matter-of-factly. He was a man of faith. He, is, he was writing to people of faith. So he just kind of, he, 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 he expects his audience to understand what's going on. So he really just captures the highlights of the story. 
And maybe that's the version you're familiar with. And you're going to discover this morning as we read Matthew's account of this situation that it's kind of a crazy story. Maybe as I start to read it, you'll be familiar with it. And and you're familiar with this story. You'll think, man, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Because listen to the way Matthew describes this event. It's in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. He starts out by saying, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. Now, last week, uh, we learned that Jesus came across a man by the name of Matthew. He was a tax collector. And um, we discovered that because he was sat at a tax collector's booth. So I told you, I did a lot of studying and research, and I figured out that the reason he was sitting at a tax collector's booth was because he was a tax collector. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the hard work I put into my message every week. So I decided to do some research this week. Why were they casting their nets into the lake? Well, this was a bit easier, because right there in the next part of the verse, they were casting their net into the lake because they were fishermen. There you go. That's some more study I've done on your behalf. So, uh, so Jesus has come across these two guys, Simon uh, and his brother, Andrew. They're casting a net into the lake because they are fishermen. Next verse. Here's what happens next. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that account from Matthew and I'm like, Seriously? What is going on here? What, what has Jesus got? There's like some Jedi mind trick he's doing here. He's just walking along. He sees a couple of fishermen. He's like, hey, you guys, come follow me. All right. <laughs> they give it all up and off they go. That just seems a little um, crazy, to be honest. And then it, it gets worse. Listen, verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And that's it. If you read this account in Matthew, that's all we get. A few short verses about Jesus just having to be out for a stroll one day, sees some fishermen, says, hey, you guys should follow me, and they leave everything. They drop their nets, they leave their dad behind, they say, Mom, Dad, I know this is a family business, I know you were counting on us to to keep you supported in in retirement, but we're out of here because this this stranger we've never met before just walked by, did this kind of David Blaine thing, and we just felt like we got to follow this guy, so we just left it all, and we're following him. I don't know about spiritual, I think that sounds a bit irresponsible, If all I'm reading is Matthew's account, I read that, and that kind of seems a bit strange. And here's the thing. If I'm reading it today, as somebody who's maybe on the fence about whether I should follow Jesus or not, that sounds like a pretty big ask to me. I know nothing about Jesus. I don't know anything about who he is. But he expects me just to give up everything, quit my job, give everything up, and just follow him? What's that about? Well, fortunately... Luke, another guy, Dr. Luke, who did a lot of investigating and a lot of research, he was writing to a different kind of audience. He was writing to an audience more like you and me. He was writing to an audience who who weren't ready just to give up everything and, and follow Jesus, who didn't have that Jewish heritage and that Jewish faith. So Luke knew that that his audience 
they needed more information. They needed more details of what actually happened that day. So Luke tells more of the story. And as you hear Luke's version of the story this morning, you're going to realize that the Matthew really just gave us the highlights. It's not that Matthew was wrong in what he said. He just left a lot out. And you're going to discover this morning, he actually left some pretty important things out. Especially if you're here this morning and you are either contemplating following Jesus, you've just begun a journey of following Jesus, or you've been following Jesus for many, many years. You're going to discover from Luke's perspective that there was a process. These guys just didn't drop everything and follow Jesus. There was actually a journey that took place involving Jesus that day. So let's look at this same story from Luke's perspective this morning. We can read about that in Luke chapter 5. And in verse 1, it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, this was another term. This is still the Sea of Galilee that Matthew talks about. It has many different names. It's a beautiful sea. It still exists uh, out in Israel today. We've got a picture we can show you of this, this beautiful Sea of Galilee. And, and actually, it is. It's, it's a large lake. It's a, a freshwater lake, 65 square miles. It's the, the second lowest lake on earth. The second lowest lake on earth. It's actually 700 feet below sea level. I've never been there in real life. I'd love to go there and see it, but I hear it's beautiful. Several years ago, back in the late 80s, there was a, a drought in Israel and the water receded significantly. The most it had ever receded as far as the lake goes. So much so that um, archaeologists were able to uncover the remains, the, the ancient remains of an old fishing boat from around the early days of, of, of Jesus' time. In fact, they called this fishing boat when they discovered it the Jesus boat. It was an amazing find, and the waters had receded far enough that they were able to actually find this boat, the, the wreck, the remains of this boat. So this is the kind of boat that would have been around in Jesus' time. This is the boat that these fishermen would have fished from. This boat exists today. You can go and look at it, the remains in the museum. But, but we're going to get to look at the story today of what happened as Jesus was walking alongside this lake. So one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So already Luke's given us a little bit more of the story. This wasn't just Jesus walking by the lake one day and he sees this fisherman and says, hey, follow me. Jesus was there intentionally. He was there by the lake that day because there was a crowd of people and he was teaching them. Jesus was stood on the edge of the lake, the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and he was teaching crowds of people. So Luke's already given us a little bit more to this story. So now we can picture more clearly what was going on. There was a crowd of people sitting there listening that day, listening to what Jesus had to say. And do you know what's amazing? Some of those people, they were there listening to Jesus because they'd heard about him. They knew who he was. They knew he was this incredible teacher and they'd followed him because they wanted to hear what he had to teach. And then there were some people who just happened to be at the lake that day who got to listen as well. There happened to be some fishermen who were finishing off after their nights of fishing and were just sat by the lake that day. And even though this isn't why they were there, they were listening to what Jesus was saying. They were hearing his words. They were processing. They were gathering information about Jesus. 
we know that they were nearby listening because in verse 2 it says, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. They were washing off their nets. So this would have been in the morning. They would have been fishing throughout the night. Now their, their boats are on the shore. Their nets are hung on the boats. And they're, they're cleaning out all the seaweed and the beer cans and the things that have got caught in the nets, you know, throughout the night. And, um, and as they're doing this, as they're cleaning the nets, over here is this guy who's teaching. This guy, Jesus. And I love this idea because... In my life, as I follow Jesus, and I've met friends of mine who, who, who aren't followers of Jesus, maybe people who have come along to connect at the invite of a friend, what I've discovered is, is even today, there are people sometimes who get to hear the teaching of Jesus, even when they weren't intentionally looking for it. It's not like they went to church because they wanted to learn about Jesus. It's not like they built this friendship with this friend of theirs who's a follower of Jesus because they wanted to learn about Jesus. Circumstantially, because of their, um, whatever reason they showed up at Connect or at church, whatever reason this friendship began, somehow through this, they start to learn. They start to hear about Jesus. They start to learn information about who Jesus was and, and what it was that he taught. And that's what's going on this day on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. These two fishermen, they hadn't come looking for Jesus, but they got to hear and process what it was that he was teaching. So a problem starts to evolve. The crowds are growing and, and Jesus is being pressed back against the edge of the lake and so many people are there who to hear him that he decides the solution is, I need to get away from the crowds a bit so I can teach from a distance. So verse three, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him, would you put out a little from shore? And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So right now, Peter is really, Simon Peter, he's really getting to hear clearly what Jesus is teaching. I mean, Jesus has literally stood in his boat. You saw the picture earlier. These aren't big boats, okay? So it's not like he was down the other end of the boat. Not, I mean, he was right there listening to Jesus teach. I mean, he got to experience the, the emotions, the energy, every word of what Jesus said. And he's sitting there listening to Jesus. Finally, Jesus gets done. And in verse 4, it says, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon. And he could have said anything to Simon at this point. He could have said, huh, what do you think? Pretty good, huh? Do you like that one bit? How the, the, all three points, they rhymed. That was good, wasn't it? There were so many things he could have said. He could have said, Simon, follow me. It's time, follow me. If you just read Matthew's version, you assume that would have been the first thing he said to Simon. But no, here's what he said in verse four. He says, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now, this was the weirdest request that this guy could ask of this fisherman. In fact, if I have to be honest, if I'm Peter at this point, I'm already a little inconvenienced because this guy's got in my boat and asked to kind of sail out a little bit. But I'm going to politely decline if he asks to, to go out and put the nets down. I'll tell you why. So I used to own a convertible, okay? All my life I'd want to drive a convertible and I would drive around on a beautiful sunny day and I'd see another car, convertible with the roof up, and I'm like, oh, that's so bad. 
If I drove a convertible, the roof would be down on a day like today. One day I'll drive a convertible and every sunny day I'll drive it with the roof down. And finally I got to buy a convertible and it, I did. I mean, there were some days it was miserably hot. There wasn't any air at all. And I was like, it would be so much better to put the roof up and just run the air. But no, I've waited all this time to own a convertible and now I'm going to drive with the roof down. And I would look forward to, to evenings like, like right now. The season that we're in right now, we're starting to cool down. You could go out in the evening, you could put the roof down, and it, was, it wasn't too cold, but it was cool enough that it was just a really... And uh, I'd look forward to, to going out with Casey, my wife. Because we'd go out on a date night, and I'd be thinking, oh, this will be a great night. And, and she'd get ready, and we'd go out to the currents on the driveway, and she'd say, you're not putting the roof down. I'm like, ah, yes, I am. It's a, it's a perfect night for convertible weather. We've got to put the roof down. She said, Dave... I've spent hours getting ready. It's going to mess up my hair. I said, you don't hear me using that excuse. I mean, it could mess up my hair as well. But apparently that didn't wash with her, so we had to keep the roof up. And I understand it. I get it. All that time she spent getting ready, if I was to put the roof down, it would just undo all of that. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying to Peter. He's like, hey, I know you spent all this hour, all these time drying out the nets, cleaning them, getting them all put away for the night but could you throw them back in the water? And not just throw them back in the water, throw them back in the water at the worst possible time to go fishing. Because no one fishes during the day. That's what Jesus is asking of Peter. Simon kind of pushes back a little bit. It's like, Master, we've worked hard all night. We've not caught anything. You need to understand, Jesus, we fish at night. When the water's a little bit cooler and the, the fish are closer to the surface. During the day, the water warms up and the fish go deeper. No one fishes at daytime. We fished during the night and we still didn't catch anything. And now you want us to fish during the day? But I don't know if it's what Jesus had been teaching or his reputation or what it was. Because not only does Peter refer to him as master, so there's this respect there. But he actually says, but because you say so, I will lay down the nets. Because you say so, I will lay down the nets. You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. I understand this. You don't. But because you say so, I will lay down the nets. You know, in that moment, I think of it as like a fork in the road in the life of Peter. Have you ever thought about that in the context of your life? That there are sometimes there are these decisions, and especially so when it comes to um, a relationship with Jesus. Thousands of years later, the name of Peter is famous in churches around the world. There are dozens, hundreds of churches that are named St. Peter the Apostle. His reputation has gone on for thousands of years. And in that moment when he's deciding whether he should lay down the nets, put down the nets or not, it's literally like the fork in the road where he doesn't realize this, but if he doesn't do this, he will just fade into obscurity. We'll never hear about Peter again. But if he obeys this really odd instruction that Jesus gives, everything could change. I can remember when I was in my early 20s and uh, I was living in England and I was on a ministry program called Ace Teams. We were in our home church just south of London. We were working really hard because we had a, an event we were putting on that evening. And I remember um, the guy who ran the program, he was visiting that day. And it was like the most inconvenient day to visit because we had so much work to do. 
So we got to visit with him for a little bit, and then we got back to work. And then after working for a while, uh, he called me back. He said, hey, I want you to meet these two friends of mine. They've just come into town. They're visiting. They're from America. One's a pastor, and one's a, a leader in a church. And they want to meet you, and they want to hear all about ACE teams. I can still remember. This is years ago, but I can still remember thinking, oh, I haven't got time for this. <laughs> we got such a lot going on. Who, I don't even know who these guys are. So I remember sitting in the office, and they were asking me all these questions about ACE teams, and I was answering them politely. But all the time, I'm thinking, this really is inconvenient. This really isn't a good time to be talking to these guys. We talked for about half an hour, 45 minutes, and, and then I left, and we got back to work. Little did I know at the time that these two guys, the purpose of their visit is that they'd heard about this ministry called Ace Teams, and they wanted to start it up here in, in a little place called Washington, Illinois, because that's where they were from. And apparently, after that meeting, they talked to my boss, and they said, hey, we really liked the sound of this. And actually, we really liked that guy, Dave Jane. He seems pretty passionate about this. Do you think he'd be interested in coming to America and helping us to start that program? Just in that moment, in that office, little did I know that that, that one conversation, that 45-minute conversation, was literally a fork in the road. Were it not for that conversation, if I'd have kind of blown them off, if I'd have said, listen, I really haven't got time to meet with them now, that was the, the step that led me to find my way here, to find ministry, to find a wife, to find a life, to see all that God has done in the last years leading up to this moment. And I think that's what's happening in this very moment. Peter is faced with a decision. Do I lay down my nets? It seems a ridiculous idea, but this guy Jesus is asking me to. And I wonder if Peter looked back in his life and thought, that was the moment. When I said yes to Jesus to put my nets in the water, everything changed. Because listen to what happened in verse 6. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats. So they filled them so full that they began to sink. So we have so many fish caught in that moment that two boats are almost sinking. So what's Simon Peter's response? You'd think it would be like, yes, result. <laughs> Clear out the refrigerator. We got a ton of fish. I don't have to work for weeks. I mean, you think he'd be celebrating, just amazed at this huge catch of fish and what um, a blessing that'll be to him and his family financially. But no, listen to how Peter responds. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. He said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Earlier, he'd called Jesus master. Now he's calling him Lord. Something happened in that moment when he saw that miraculous catch of fish. This was a fisherman who knew that this did not make sense, that this was a, a supernatural occurrence. I think in that moment, everything he'd heard taught from Jesus' mouth suddenly came alive. He realized this wasn't just a man speaking words. This was um, a man who was living these words. Verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. Now, Peter follows Jesus. This is a lot different, isn't it? Luke's version is a lot different than Matthew's version. 
Now, after all that's taken place, and Jesus says, you should follow me, now Peter follows Jesus. Now I understand what happens that led up to that point of Jesus saying to Peter, follow me, and Peter responding, I will follow you. There was a process, there was something that took place that led up to this. And here's why I'm so thankful that we've also got Luke's account as well as Matthew's account. Because I think this morning, thousands of years later, we can look at this process and we can actually find ourselves somewhere along that way. We can find ourselves somewhere in that process. We can put ourselves into the story of Peter that day by the side of the, the Sea of Galilee and say, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Whether you are brand, if it's your first time here this morning or you've been with us for six years and you were in church for many years before that, there is somewhere along this journey between Jesus and Peter that you can say, that is where I am. And I think you're going to discover this morning, it's going to help you as you follow Jesus, recognize where you are. So, so let's just break it down here real quick. Let's break down this, this development of what took place between Jesus and Peter. Because first off, there was this, this period where he was just sitting and listening. We learned that, didn't we, at the very beginning. It wasn't just that Jesus was walking along one day and he said, hey, follow me. He was there. He was teaching the crowds. And, and even though that's not why Peter was there, he was getting to sit and listen to the teachings of Jesus. Gathering information. That's maybe where you're at this morning. Maybe this is all new to you. I don't know if you grew up in church. I don't know if you've got any experience in church. I don't know what your story is, but maybe you find yourself here this morning and you're just sitting and listening. You've been coming to Connect for a while now. Or you've been maybe just a short time and and you're kind of at that place where you're gathering information. You're learning more every week. And my encouragement to you would be keep sitting and keep listening. Keep gathering that information. It's a great place to be, to be learning more. Maybe, it's, maybe you're here this morning at the invite of a friend and, and it's listening to them and, and what Jesus has done in their lives. Learning more about who Jesus is from this friend. Or maybe that's not you this morning. Maybe you're more like the part where, where Jesus said, hey, can I borrow your boat? Maybe you're at the loaning the boat stage. When Peter loaned Jesus his boat. Because think about it. At that point, it was a little bit of an inconvenience for Peter, wasn't it? He'd cleaned all the nets. He was done for the night. He was ready to, to go home. And Jesus says, hey, could I borrow your boat? Could I go out in the water to teach for a bit? It didn't require Peter to leave everything and follow Jesus. It wasn't that Jesus was saying, hey, I want you to give everything up and follow me, change your life completely. It was just a very simple request. Can I borrow your boat? But it did require Peter to make a decision. In that moment, Peter could have said, no, I'm sorry. I'm tired. It's been a long night. I just want to get home. But it was a little bit inconvenient, and Peter said, yes, yes, you can borrow my boat. What does that look like for you this morning? Maybe there's something in, in your life, it's, it's not a huge thing, but it's, it's a little inconvenient because it's a little out of the ordinary. It's stretching you just a little bit. 
But it's what Jesus is asking of you this morning. It could be something simple like we, we talked about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, their, their accounts of the life of Jesus. Maybe it's saying, I'm, I'm going to read one of those books. I'm going to read either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John because I want to learn more about who Jesus is. It's, a little, it's not a huge ask, but it's a little bit inconvenient. It'll, take, it'll require you taking some time and setting aside some time each day. Maybe it's praying. Maybe you're new to this whole thing. You've never prayed before, and it's, it's saying, God, I want to I learn what it's like to talk to you, to pray. It could be coming along something like Alpha, because you're just, you want to learn more. Again, it, it takes a little bit of a time. It's not a huge ask, but there is um, some kind of inconvenience, some kind of, yeah, I'm going to step out and do that. Or maybe you're at the stage where he's taking you fishing. He's taking you fishing. That's, that's when things get exciting. Jesus has already kind of built this relationship with, with Peter. Now he's out in the boat. He's already asked to go out in the boat. So he's already kind of um, inconvenienced himself a little bit. He's, he's out in the lake with Jesus. And then Jesus makes this big ask. He says, hey, I want you to put your nets down. I want you to do something that's out of the ordinary. I want you to do something that goes against your comfort zone, that actually goes against your instincts as a fisherman. I know we don't fish during the day. I know it makes no sense whatsoever. I know this is all foreign to you, but I want you to do something because I'm asking you to do this. And maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you've been coming to Connect for a while and you're open to the idea of Jesus and you've been listening and gathering information and now you find yourself, as you've been coming for a while, you find yourself, Jesus has kind of challenged you a little bit to do something a little bit out of the ordinary. Maybe there's some changes in in the way you you have relationships with other people, the way you live your life, the way you, you carry out your business at work, the way you study at school, the way you treat other students in school or in college. And this is a stretch. This isn't like you. But you can't get away from the fact that you just feel like Jesus is kind of tugging at you. You can't fully explain it, but, but you seem to be more aware of the, the idea of Jesus than you've ever been before. You can't tell if it's your conscience or, or what it is. But I want to say this morning, I believe it's Jesus. He's, he's wanting to engage in a relationship with you. And maybe for you, what it looks like this morning to be a follower of Jesus is to step out of the norm, to do something that that you might think of yourself, well, that's a little unusual. I've never joined a small group before. That's not who I am. I've never served at a church. This is the first time I've ever been to a church, let alone served in a church. I've never given before in an offering. Whatever it might be, maybe there's something unusual that Jesus is asking of you tugging at your heart, a a change in your life. And you feel a bit like Peter. In your head, you're trying to rationalize it because you're saying, well, that doesn't make sense. But you can't get away from the fact that you feel like Jesus is pulling you in that direction. What would that be for you this morning? What would that be for you? I'm so glad that Peter... Responded. I'm so glad that Peter didn't try and talk Jesus out of it. I'm so glad that Peter threw his nets in the water, even though it made no sense. Because that led to that final step of leaving his nets. Leaving his nets. Maybe this is the part of Peter's story that you relate to the most this morning. You've seen enough. You are ready to go all in and follow Jesus with everything you've got. That's where Peter was at. When he realized who Jesus was, he says, I want to follow you.
I want to commit my life to you. I want to go where you go. And I hope and pray that some of you are there this morning. Maybe that's the, the step that Jesus is pushing you towards to say, I, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you in every area of my life, my future, my relationships, my finances, my job. I want all of this to be because you are leading me and I am following you. And here's the thing. The goal this morning isn't to grade yourself on where you find yourself in those four steps. It's not like, am I here or here because this one's better or this? It's just to find out where you are and then ask yourself the question, what's my next step? What's my next step? If I'm following Jesus, what is my next step? Maybe it's, it's stepping out and doing something brand new for the first time. Maybe it's giving more of my life to him. Maybe it's saying, you know, I, I felt like I'd given everything to Jesus, but even as I'm thinking this through, I know there's that area of my life that I still want control of because I'm afraid if I give that to Jesus, he might direct me in a way that I don't want to go. He might kind of push me in a direction. I'm not sure if I want to go in that direction, but Jesus is saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me this morning? Because if you'll throw out your nets, I know it doesn't make sense, but if you throw out your nets, you're going to see something miraculous take place. Some of you are holding on to it because you're afraid, because you've rationalized in your mind, well, it doesn't make sense to do that. But Jesus is asking, will you trust me this morning? I can honestly say that I would not be here, stood on this stage this morning, if I hadn't faced some of those, those forks in the road like Peter faced myself. There have been times in my life, and, and Casey and I, we could sit and we could talk about this, and we could go back and we could, we could even sometimes point to the exact place we were at geographically. I was here in this room at this time when we were talking about this situation, and we were questioning, should we do this? Is this the right thing to do? And I'm so glad that we responded to Jesus, and I'm so glad that we chose to follow him, because I can see how those different steps we took, those different forks in the road, they led us to here this morning to what God is doing through Connect Church right now. So whatever your next step is this morning, take it. Follow him. You will not regret it, I promise. Let's pray. Father, we just, um, we, we recognize, Lord, that we are wired to be people that are influenced by others, that will, that will follow and that's not a bad thing inherently, Lord. It just depends on who it is or what it is that we're following. Jesus, I so desperately want everyone here to experience the life that can be experienced as someone who follows you. Someone who chooses to say, you know, I want Jesus, I want you to be the, the, the light that I navigate by, the, the post that I move towards, the direction that my life is pointed Help us, Jesus, to have the courage. And, and as we look at this story of Peter, Lord, it didn't just happen. There were several key moments, Lord, where, where things took place. And maybe we can relate to Peter with where we're at right now, what's going on in our lives. Give us the courage, Lord, to listen more, to step out in the boat, to throw in the nets, to, to give up the nets, to follow you wherever we find ourselves this morning, Lord. Give us the courage to take that next step in following you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.